just hang out. Let us get to know you. Um, we would like to uh, welcome you and, and uh, hopefully make you feel at home enough that you would want to come back and be a part of this uh, be a part of this body. We're in the middle of a series, as Brad referenced, that we're talking about marriage, um, and we're calling it mixtape: God's playlist for relationships. Um, I want to remind you that we have uh, out at the hub, the, the information desk out here, a bunch of these little cards. These are not out there just for fun. These are for you to give to those who you want to invite. Um, if you want to invite people to worship, uh, we do series like this not just because we want to strengthen our marriages in our church, but because these are what we call open door kind of things. They, they are easy to invite people here. You're never going to come across somebody who's going to say, nah, I don't want to strengthen my, my relationship. I, I don't want a better relationship. So you can hand this to somebody and say, hey, this is something my church is doing. Why don't you come, come check it out? Come join us. Um, this is an emergency broadcast system. Um, sorry. It threw me too. I'm, I'm, I'm off. It's okay. Um, Amber Alert. Do we need to announce what the Amber Alert is? If you see a silver Toyota, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be making fun of that. That's, that's, that's not, shouldn't be funny. I apologize. But how can you not get distracted? So, all right. Let's get back on track. Also out here, in conjunction with this, we're going to do a simulcast, a live stream of a conference, a marriage conference that's going to happen live in Dallas. It's going to be streamed live here in this room on these screens. And out there are also these little flyers, little bitty flyers that you can use to uh, invite people to that as well. Um, That's on a Friday night. It's going to have some uh, uh, world-renowned speakers. Um, We're going to have people... uh, here. Uh, we're going to have some refreshments and things. We're not going to serve a meal, but we are going to have refreshments. There's a website that they can go to to sign up. And um, there are a, a number of these out there so that you can post this in the break room or uh, hand it to your coworker or, or, or whoever. And you can invite people to, uh, to, to, to that event. Last week, we started out talking about love So this week we're going to talk about marriage. This is the week that I'm going to share with you some invaluable marriage advice. Uh, Now, Hillary's already getting ready to leave because she knows if we share everything Jeff knows about marriage, this is going to be a short message. But, But we're hopefully going to say something that is more than Jeff's marriage advice. Jeff's marriage advice was something like, you know, if, if you don't know if it goes in the dryer or not, leave it out. Um, a, a vacuum cleaner, no matter how expensive, is not a good val- Valentine's Day gift. And um, number three, I'm sorry. Just get used to saying it. That's all. It doesn't even matter. Just uh, about once a day, I'm sorry, because you did something. Um, and, and a few months ago, we were in a store. We were in Target, actually, and we were looking at something, and she was wanting my opinion on it. And, well, do you like this one or that one? I don't care. Do you like the orange one or the blue one? I don't care. And she's like, well, I want you to tell me what you think. And I said, baby, I think whatever you tell me to think. And you could hear the ladies on the next aisle cracking up. And That's my marriage advice for you. I, I think whatever you tell me to think. That's, uh, that's about the size of it. Instead of Jeff's marriage advice, let's see what we can find in God's Word. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And Ephesians chapter 5, uh, we're going to start about verse 21 and read through 33, if you want to read along with me. 
Ephesians 5, starting at verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, this passage has been used and abused for many, many years. It's been used to justify subjugation. It's been used to justify bullying. It's even been uh, used to justify abuse within the church and, and within families within the church. But I think if we look deeper into this passage, we see that this is not merely a, a, a passage about lords and subjects. This is not merely a passage about hierarchies. This is something deeper and, and honestly much more challenging than that. Paul launches into this passage from a standpoint of mutual submission. He, he starts with that idea that, that we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because of the, the arbitrary chapter break or, or page break, that gets left off. But that's the, the thesis of this section. That, that should go with the rest of this. That, that when Paul is applying this, this subject, this idea of submission, that it's mutual. That, that we submit to one another. He says in verse 17 to the Ephesians, back before this, that, that they need to learn what the will of the Lord is. And he follows that up with an admonition to be filled with the Spirit. He says the way you're going to do that is you're going to sing praises to one another. You're going to give thanks continually, and you're going to submit to one another. After issuing that thesis, he delves into the specific. Paul, in effect, says the Lord's will is for you to be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, that means singing praises to God, speaking to one another in a language of praise. That means giving Thanks for everything to God through Jesus and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the picture he's painting of what it looks like to live in the Spirit. And, and it's just some practical everyday application that he's trying to give to the church. In these practical applications, we find keys to not just a happier life, but to Spirit-filled relationships, to a Spirit-filled marriage. We're going to find that when we put these, these, these practical applications into practice, that, that we create marriages that are not just unions of a man and woman, but that these are God-honoring, Christ-centered relationships that mirror the love of God to a lost world. That's what Paul is calling us to. 
Dr. Emerson Egerichs is a, a world-renowned expert on relationships, and he's written a book that, that takes this concept in this passage and, and, and expounds on it a lot. And um, his, his research shows that during a marital conflict, a, a husband most often reacts when he feels disrespected, and a wife reacts when she feels unloved. In a survey, when people were asked this question, when you're in a conflict with your spouse or significant other, do you feel unloved or disrespected? 83% of the men said disrespected. 72% of the women said unloved. And though we all need love and respect equally, that felt need differs during conflict. And this difference is as different as, as pink is from blue. If you want to you get a picture of it, it's, it's, we're going to use those, those colors to represent the male and the female viewpoint. Um, if you call it, you can call it Mars and Venus, you can call it love languages, you can call it whatever you want to call it. But, but it's the idea that, that she sees through pink glasses, she hears through pink headphones. She responds to the world through that, that female viewpoint that is vastly different from his. He sees through blue glasses. He hears through blue headphones. He sees the world through that blue filter. And the problem is, is that those two rarely come together. So let's talk about those colors in light of, of today's passage, in light of this Ephesians passage. Blue is the color we'll use to visually represent the, the male perspective um, now, most of you ladies in here know that we're not hard creatures to understand. Um, we're, we're pretty simple. And, and when you learn to speak blue, to understand blue, you have a better grasp uh, of why we do the things that we do. Because blue for men is respect. We want to be respected. And, and not just in our lives, in our, in our careers, in, in our interaction with the world, but at home. We want to be respected. We want to be your conquering hero. We, we, there was a, 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 this movie came out, and y'all might have heard of it. it. It made like millions of dollars in like one day. And because it, it, one of the reasons it's such a big deal is it, it speaks to that need, that need to be a hero. That, that need to, to, to have hope in something bigger than ourselves. That no matter how dark it gets, no matter how bleak it gets, no matter how, how we feel, that, that we can be the hero that, that drags himself up, that, that charges in and saves the day. We want to be the strong, courageous hero who, who is the champion. And we want to be respected. Paul talks about this as he records practical applications. When he's talking about learn the will of the Lord, Paul begins to talk about being filled with the Spirit. And, and when he says in verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to husbands. Now that, that, that passage solicits some visceral responses in our culture. We don't like that. We don't like the word submission. We struggle with that. But there are two keys to understanding this passage. And, and it's the understanding uh, of the word submit and head. We don't understand that Greek concept. And so we, we misconstrue what this is saying. The Greek and Hebrews of this, of this time didn't understand anatomy the way you and I do. 
And so their idea, their psychology, their philosophy was that decision-making, the, 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 the championing of the body, the way the body made decisions and plotted its course was, was through the emotions. And the emotions were seated in the bowels. That, that, and you think about it, it makes sense if you have no understanding of anatomy. When you get scared, you feel it down here. When you get uh, in, in, a, in a situation, you know, butterflies in your stomach. You, you feel that drop. That's where you feel it. And so that's where they believed that decision making and the control of the body came from. The head was not the brain center that controlled the body. The head was the part of the body that received honor. The head was the part of the body when, when a Greek would compete in the games and would be awarded some kind of award, they would put a laurel on the head. It was, that was the place that received honor. And so it wasn't like our understanding that the head of a corporation is this, this uh, CEO that, that sits in his office and gives orders. De- deriving leadership theories from the head would be oblique to a, to a Greek mind. They wouldn't get that. Now, the other word that we struggle with is submit. The root of the word translated submit literally means to hold up from underneath. Think about that. To hold up from underneath. To, the, the word itself in its form in Ephesians 5 is literally to put in a place of support, to hold up from underneath. Now, you've heard the old adage, behind every great man is a great woman, right? And, and that's what this passage is talking about, that, that a woman is going to hold up her husband. Not that the husband's going to be sitting in his lazy boy saying, bring me a Dr. Pepper. That's not what this is about. This is about the wife is going to, by submitting, hold the husband up. That, that you're going to help him achieve whatever his goal is to be that conquering hero that he needs to be. That support, holding up from underneath. So that the head can receive the honor. That's the idea. Now, there are many who will say, well, you don't understand, Jeff. My man's not really respectable. I mean, he doesn't really deserve my respect or my support. Again, comes back to that idea that that Paul's not saying this is something that's earned or deserved. He's saying you can shape him, you can help him by holding him up from underneath. Now, understand here, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about neglect or anything like that. Don't, don't get that picture that Jeff said that, that God says we're supposed to stay. That, that's not what I'm saying. That is wrong, and, and I can show you in Scripture that that's unequivocally wrong, and that's not what this passage is talking about. Um, that has nothing to do with submission. I'm talking about if you treat him with respect, and you show him that support, you can begin to influence him to not just be the man that you want him to be, but to be the man that he knows he can be deep inside. That respect that he's craving is going to lift him up and help him to strive to earn that respect. Respect and support are are the languages of blue. That, that speaking to him, listening to him, supporting him is all going to propel him onward and upward. He wants to be your hero. He wants to be your prince 
charming. He, he, he sometimes, though, needs to be lifted up. Now, pink is the color we're using to visually represent a female perspective. And, and I'll be the first to admit that I, I am not an expert in that. Um, however, living in a house with three women, I am, I am learning that, that crying doesn't always mean that there's something wrong. We just do that sometimes. And um, instead of trying to fix it like I did at first, now I can just hold them and say, it's okay, it's going to get better. I don't know what you're crying about, but it's okay, it's going to be all right. Um, that's, that's my idea uh, uh, of support. Pink is that color that we're talking about with, with, with the, the idea that this is the viewpoint of the lady. And, and pink is a language, a language of love. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now notice Paul shifts from talking about respect to talking about love. Husbands are to love their wives. To fully grasp this call, you have to get that full picture. And you've heard the sermons before that, that there were multiple words the Greeks used for love. It, it wasn't that these were different things like we would segregate things. These were all concepts. These were all compartments of the same bigger concept. That, that storge, the, 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 the friendship, I mean, the storge, the, the brotherly love, phileo, the friendship love, um, that there was, there was eros, which is the, the sexual love. And finally, there's agape. Agape was the unconditional love. Now, the reason that is significant is because, uh, someone in that society would never have put agape with marriage. If you would have said to a group of men, do you storge your wife? They would have said, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's just like, just like one of the boys. Do you phileo your wife? Oh yeah, 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 we're best buddies. We do everything together. Do you eros your wife? Well, yeah, when I hadn't messed up too bad and I'm not in the doghouse. Do you agape your wife? They would have laughed. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't do that. What if she does something I don't like? What if she makes me mad? You can't agape your wife. She's got to earn my, my love. I, that's not something that... So when Paul writes this, this is a revolutionary idea. That you love your wife with an un, unselfish, unself-centered love. That's a foreign idea in this culture. When Paul uses that word, when he says, Husbands, you should agape your wife. He, now he repeats it three times. That means it's pretty important. Paul defines this love by comparing it to the love of Christ for the church. He says you're going to love your wife as you love your own body. You're going to lay down your life for her just like Jesus laid down his life for the church. That totally defeats this whole idea of submission being, honey, bring me a Dr. Pepper. Because this idea is, husbands, you are giving up yourself. You are giving up everything that you want. That means that if she doesn't want you to, you no longer drink Dr. Pepper. Period. You are laying down everything that is you for her. He's comparing your love for her to Christ's love for the church. That means love that's willing to die for her. 
That means you love her like a crazy man. Do you understand that? You want to be a hero. You want to be a hero? I, I, I would challenge you to be a love hero. Don't, hey, don't ever Google love hero. I'm just going to tell you. The graphics, no. Bad idea. Um, so I, I don't, we've missed the point that the Apostle Paul is not legislating behavior. He's not trying to give us a checklist that, that this is what you're supposed to do. He's saying, men, because of your nature, you need respect and support. Women, because of your nature, you need to feel loved, valued, and cherished. And so the divine call to women is to hold up your husband from underneath to help him gain the respect that he needs. The divine call to men is you be willing to lay down control, self-centeredness, personal ambitions, fleshly desires. You lay down everything. Everything that is you for her. In honor, preferring one another, he will say in Romans. Um, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, verse 31, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as he loves himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Paul is calling us to to interact with one another, speaking our language. That that when that pink viewpoint can intercede, interact with that blue viewpoint, that that middle ground is, is a royal purple. Because that's where we enter into the kingdom. That's where we enter into a place that God is trying to get us to. Where our marriage, our relationship can start to be something that shows the world this is the kind of love that Jesus had for His church. The kind of love that you see in our relationship is the kind of love that that Christ has for you. Now, as I told you, this guy, Emerson Egerich's, he, he, he wrote this book, and, and this is a, a, an awesome book. It's called uh, Love and Respect, The Love She Desires, The Respect He Needs. Um, real quick, who, who in here has been married 50 years? Raise your hand. Who in here has been married 60 years? Okay. I got, I got one. Wait, wait, wait. There's two. Jerry and Dorothy. Where's Where's Betty? Oh, oh, I didn't see. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. Okay, um, Caleb, come here. Oh, in two months. Bring, bring that back there to the Nelsons. Allie, come here. Do you know who the Houchins are? See the man in the purple shirt right there? I got one more, and you put your hands down. Um, one more. All right? Now, here's what I want you to do. Y'all are going, Jeff, we've been married 60 years. We don't need this. <laughs> Your wives may differ. But the, what I want you to do is I want you to take that book, and I want you to pick one of these younger couples in this church, and I want you to bless them with that book, and then I want you to pray for them all week. Okay? I'm trying to get you to connect with them. Because that's kind of what church is about, y'all. 
So, so I want you to pick out a young couple. I don't care who it is. You pick out one and you say, hey, I want you to have this. We're going to be praying for you all week. Because we're going to start what's called the Love Jar Challenge. Out in the foyer at the hub, there are a bunch of these jars. Okay? These jars are filled with little bitty slips of paper. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to take out one of these slips of paper, and on it is written uh, an action or, or something that you will do for your significant other. Okay? That, that is, each one of these is a different love language, and, and I don't care how you do it. I'm not going to, there's a paper that's going to go with it that's going to give you instructions. If you want to follow that paper, that's fine. But I don't want you to stop doing that if the paper doesn't fit your lifestyle. It, you know, because some of us are so busy and, and we have things going in 80 different directions. You figure out how to do this that works best for you. So ladies, I'm asking you because you're the one more likely to do it. Go out to the hub and pick up one of these for your family. Okay? Just one per couple. Now, then what I want you to do is, as you do this, I want you to post on social media, hashtag HCOC Love Jar, um, and, and, and so that we can see how it's going. If you're not comfortable with that or if you don't do social media, that's fine. Send me an email and tell me how you're doing. I promise not to say any of it publicly without your permission, so it's not going to go in a sermon. However... I, I want you to, 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 to have some accountability and, and to be able to share this. Um, because when you do that, when you send me an email or tag us on social media, you'll be entered to win date night packages that we're going to give away at the end of this series. And so there will be some, some movies, there'll be some dinners, there'll be some things like that for, for you and, and your, your spouse to enjoy. So pick up one of these today. And, and then choose how you're going to do it. This is a simple way for us to help you learn to speak each other's language. So you can learn how to speak blue. So you can learn how to speak pink. Because the ultimate idea is that if this church has stronger marriages, if you have stronger relationships when you go out into the community, that shines a light. Paul says this mystery is profound, but he's not just talking about relationships. He's talking about Christ and the church. Because this is so much bigger than just your, your husband or your wife. This is a picture painted to a lost and dying world of the love of Jesus Christ for them. That's what your marriage is supposed to be. Not just something that gratifies you. Not just something that pleases you. It's supposed to be something that is held up as a light to the world. That, that this man and this woman together are in some way, Paul says it's a mystery, but in some way they're a shadow, a, 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 an image, a reflection of God's love for us demonstrated through Jesus Christ. That's our goal. That's what we're trying to get to. If you haven't experienced that love, we have a song right now, and that's what this is for. It's not an altar call or, a, or, or anything like that. It's an opportunity for you to connect to the love of Jesus. That's what we're about. That's what we're here for. We're here to love God and to love people. That's it. And, and we want you to get connected to that love. If we can help you, if we can pray with you, if we can lift you up, whatever we can do.